Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection today on October 4th, 2023. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious God, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, your thoughts and your ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. Humble us, O Lord, and let us see and acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, suffering comes in many different forms, and sadly, we're not in charge of when or how it may arrive and how it may affect us or others. Our God is a sovereign God. I'm sure you've heard that term before, but let's just talk about a little bit about what sovereign means. The dictionary definition of sovereign is possessing supreme or ultimate power. And a more biblical definition, God's sovereignty refers to his absolute and unrivaled rule over all his creatures and their circumstances. To affirm that God is sovereign is to affirm that God reigns universally and invincibly. God's sovereignty implies his absolute ownership, authority, and control over all things. God's sovereignty is conveyed in the frequent divine titles King, Lord, Sovereign, or even Potentate in one of the King James versions. The supremacy of his sovereignty is further highlighted by superlative titles King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God's sovereign dominion includes nature as well as human history. His control extends to even what to us to be chance events and includes even events that harm God's people. Yes, it harms us or appear to defeat God's purposes. Scripture translates God's sovereignty into practical expression. He rules over all. He does all that he pleases. His purposes cannot be thwarted or challenged. His counsel stands forever. He works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Scripture both commands and exemplifies our appropriate response to God's sovereignty, which is joyful and worshipful submission. Wow. Easier said than done, isn't it? You remember Joseph. He was one of Jacob's 12 sons. His father loved him more than any of the others and gave him a colored cloak. You remember that story, the coat of many colors. His brothers were jealous of him and sold him into slavery. He was taken to Egypt and eventually became steward to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. Potiphar's wife tried unsuccessfully to seduce him, and after false accusations were leveled at Joseph, he was imprisoned. Where is God in all of this? You think Joseph ever wondered that? You know, due to his ability to interpret Pharaoh's dream, he was made governor of Egypt. 
he wisely rationed the country's produce in preparation for a life for a time of famine. During the famine, Jacob's sons came to Egypt to plead with Joseph for supplies. At the time, they did not recognize him, but after he was satisfied that they were reformed, he identified himself with great joy. Joseph invited his father and brothers to come and settle in Egypt. The story is recounted in the Old Testament numerous chapters in Genesis. Listen to the story and you'll be able to see the evidence of God's sovereignty. I'm going to read the end of it. It's Genesis 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Definitely evidence of God's sovereignty through and with Joseph during that time. I want to share one more story with you that I believe is a good example of God's sovereignty. In the story that I'm going to share with you, I'm almost certain that neither one of the characters wanted to be in the situation they were in and may have wondered where God was and even wanted God to reverse their situations. But as we can see, God was with them during and after their times of darkness and testing. More often than not, we want God to take us out of bad situations. But sometimes we just have to be satisfied and at peace knowing that God is with us all the time. And he loves us even in our darkest moments. This is a story told by a woman named Taylor Rowe. R-E-A-U. And this again comes from my book written by Amy Newark, Chicken Soul for the Soup, Attitude of Gratitude. I'll start with a uh, quote by Ezra Taft Benson. Finding meaning in suffering. If you really want to receive joy and happiness, then serve others with all your heart. Lift their burden, and your own burden will be lighter. And now the story. I had my son in October 2017. It was early, and after two miscarriages and his sister's preterm birth, I was anxious about what could happen. Luckily, just like his beautiful sister, he came out perfect and just needed a week in the NICU. The NICU was difficult for me because I had never been away from my two-year-old daughter. 
I also missed being able to hold my newborn son. And to make matters worse, I was hooked up to a magnesium four to keep from having seizures, uncomfortably swollen and sleep deprived. Thankfully, the nurses in the NICU were great at caring for us exhausted moms. One night, one of the nurses and I began chatting and she told me that she was newly back to work from bereavement leave. She had found her 20-year-old son deceased in his room earlier that year. She was starting to function again and fighting to find a new routine. I was crushed as I listened to her. I had seen this situation firsthand with my own parents. Fourteen years ago, we had lost my older brother in a tragic car accident and had been learning to live through the tears ever since. I started to open up about my own experience for the first time in a long time. We began telling our stories to each other through sobs and holding hands. She told me that she had four other children, and her youngest, who was 14, seemed to be handling it the worst. She was acting out and being mean. Because she had been so close to her brother and idolized him, she was clearly lost since his passing. She didn't know how to help her daughter and was afraid she was losing another child. For a moment, it felt like the entire world stood still, and then suddenly I comprehended what she had just said. I had been in that exact situation that her daughter was in. I looked right at her and said, I can help. I was your daughter. I am your daughter. My brother died when I was 13. He was 19, and I thought he was the coolest person on earth. I can tell you some things that could help her and you. She hugged me and wept. This was the strongest my voice had ever been in my whole life. Right then, I knew that no one could help this grieving mother and her hurting daughter as much as I could. It wasn't because I had some fancy letters behind my name or an expensive college degree in counseling. It was because I was probably one of the very few people that would cross this woman's path who had lost an older brother at such a confusing and impressionable age. I knew I could give her some insight on where it went so wrong for me and what could have helped. I spilled my soul to this new friend who was listening without judgment or pity to my every word. Looking back, I see how therapeutic this was for me as well. Here I was trying to help her with her baby while she was helping me take care of mine. I think they call that collateral beauty. Fast forward a year. It was the annual Memorial 5K for my brother. My dad was giving a speech just like he has at all of them. He recited this famous quote from Frederick Nietzsche, To live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in the suffering. He was referring to his grandchildren, my sweet babies, who have eased so much of his suffering. But even if, with that sweet reference, I thought to myself, well, geez, that's a negative way to look at it. Months later, I realized that what my dad had quoted really did have meaning. Meaning. On February 13th, my brother's now heavenly birthday, I found myself silently sobbing into a pillow, alone in my living room, while my children napped. 
It always seems that these days really bring out the tears. For the first time since coming home from the NICU, I thought back to that nurse and realized there it was. There was the meaning to my suffering. That's what he meant by surviving. Right then I realized that I might have saved her and her daughter so much extra trauma and hurt by telling her my story, sharing my experience. As much as I do not believe that everything happens for a reason, I'm a little more at peace thinking that helping her 14-year-old daughter could be the small glimmer of a silver lining in all my heartbreak. The darkest and messiest parts of my life had exposed the biggest message. I learned that if I continue to be brave enough to use my voice and share my story, I can keep finding my purpose and the meaning in the suffering. And that's the end of the story. You know, besides seeing the sovereignty of God in the story, it's also important to note that we need each other. And we need to tell stories to each other. We need to open up to each other. We need to invite others into our moments of hurt and angst. And once you do that, you never know what may come out of that and how God's sovereignty will once again be on full display. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and Creator of all, help us to know that you are always with us through the good times as well as the bad times in our lives. Help us to share both our good times and bad times with one another and trust you and your sovereignty to enable our sharing and storytelling to bear fruit of healing and hope. We lift up this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.